0: We are in the book of Joshua, and we are down to Joshua chapter 14. Last time we met on this uh, topic, anyways, of the study in the book of Joshua, we were in Joshua chapter 10. And as we open up um, the book of Joshua, and you go through, you come to these conquests that take place, and then the division of the land. Um, and you come to this chapter, and I had to just pause here in Joshua chapter 14, because there's a man named Caleb who is identified here. Uh, It's not the first time we've learned about him uh, and talked about him. However, there is this section of scripture dedicated to this man, Caleb, and more importantly, dedicated to the Lord God of Israel, who was the God of Caleb. And we're going to pick that up this morning in reading in Joshua chapter 14 and in verse 6 down to verse 15. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jepheni, the Kinezite said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was forty years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land. And I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt But I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day saying surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever. Because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold the Lord has kept me alive as he said these 45 years. Ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness and now Here I am, this day, 85 years old. As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both for going out and for coming in. Now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard in that day how the Anakim were there, and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him, and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron, therefore, became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron formerly was called Kirjath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. Then the land had rest from war. Father, we are grateful for the word of God. Thank you for this account of the part of the life of a man named Caleb. Thank you, O God, for men and women also, Lord, like Caleb, who look ahead by faith and they trust what you have said and they seize hold of it. Thank you for that, O Lord. Now, as we open up your word, we ask you to open it to our hearts and minds, as always, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We are introduced here to Caleb the Conqueror. That's what I call him. I don't think he went by that title, but we're looking back through the eyes of history and the the record found here, the historical record in the Bible. We find a man who was a great conqueror, because that's what he was, Uh, And I want to learn about him and what made him the conqueror. Because that's how he finishes. Uh, That's sort of the last we have a little bit as far as the, the details of Caleb's life. We go from basically the first time he appears in scripture at age 40. And then some 45 years later when he's 85 we read about Caleb. And we find that the first time we're introduced to him way back there in the books of Moses. We find that he was a man who was following God wholly. And he was making sure that he was was doing what God had him to do. And he he had that kind of character. And at age 85, he's still the same man. And the same character. Even has the same strength as he did, as he claims, as a 40-year-old. And I like that. I think... You know, you can be strong in your days. Now, we look at the book of Joshua, and you remember, as we've been going through this study, it's really a book that, um, not only is it the historical record of Israel going into the land that God had promised to their forefathers, and promised them, and possessing that land, but it's also uh, analogous, really analogous to the Christian life, or the life of all believers, really, that shows that if we follow the lord we enter into a place with him a place of rest and a place of promise and he wants the christian to enter into spiritual places spiritual blessings in this world our inheritance is not a land but rather our inheritance is the lord and heaven itself and we look forward to that city whose builder and maker is god Caleb and Joshua and Moses before him and all the way back to Abraham and right all the way back. They were looking forward to a place that God had promised them. And we know from the book of Hebrews chapter 11, even like Abraham and Moses looked well ahead of the land of Canaan. And I would say Joshua in there and Caleb as well. They knew that wasn't their final spot on this earth. That They weren't going to be remaining there, but moving up even further someday. And we look forward to that as well. Well, we learn about Caleb, and remember this is the same Caleb that he would have wandered around in the wilderness for some uh, 40 years. And then finally God said now at age around 81, 82, somewhere in that range, probably around 80, uh, God said Now's the time. You're going to enter into the land. And we move ahead about five years, and now they're dividing up the land. And Caleb looks to the hills, the mountains, and he says, I want that mountain. I want that mountain. And often think about that, you know, in our older years, and Caleb would have been an old man at that point. All, However, really, you're only as old as you feel, I guess, right? And only as old as God really gives you strength in things. And in his older years, he still looks to the challenges that are there. And he says, I want to go up there. I want to go to the mountain. Not only is it uphill, and it's a battle that will be uphill, but there's giants up there, and I want to go face the giants and take them out. Oh, wow. We need more men like Caleb. We need more people like Caleb. Well, what made Caleb tick? Why was he a conqueror? The first thing we see is his commitment. He was a committed man. And I tell you, if there's anything that we need today is committed men and women. Committed in that we are committed to Jesus Christ. Committed to him wholly, as in uh, fully. And that, you know, as we yield ourselves to him, he promises to honor that. We read of that because that's what the word of God says of Caleb. In verse 8 it says, Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. And he's referring to back a time, 40 years prior to that, When Moses sent out these scouts into the land of Canaan and he said, I want you to spy out the land and come back and bring a report. He wanted some intelligence and things like that. And the majority, they sent 12 of them in, by the way, 12 of these men went in, 10 of them came back and they gave a poor report and they said, we can't do it. We're like, just like little grasshoppers and they're giants in that land. And they're bigger than us. They're stronger than us. They're more numerous than us. And there's just no way we can do it. And they cause the heart of a nation to melt. Can I tell you something? When there's uncommitted men in society, it causes nations to tumble. And it can cause the world to just melt when there's uncommitted people. And in particular, Everything falls on leadership. And I will say that we need a leader like Christ. And you think of Christ who is a picture who is seen often in like the person of Joshua. Joshua had a mission. He went forward. He trusted God. He did that. Christ, when he came here, he set his face not towards the inheritance of the land, but to the cross. And there he did not turn back. His resolve was full until it was fully accomplished that he would save us from our sins. When he would die on the cross and he said, it is finished. It was indeed finished. And he wasn't going to let anything come in between him and that mission. Caleb was such a man also. He wasn't going to let anything stop him. Way back there, 40 years before this, 45 years, you have Caleb and Joshua. They were part of that twelve group of 12 that had gone in. Those two men came back and they said, it's possible because God's in this. And they gave a good report. But because they were in the minority, because they were not listened to, the people prevailed in that way, and they didn't get the chance to go in and conquer the land. Instead, that whole generation of Joshua and Caleb's peers had to die off in the wilderness. I think about that. They probably had a lot of good friends and family members that were in that generation. And how discouraging it would have been for 40 years as they watched their family and their friends die at one after the other and after the other until they, they were the last two left. And every single time, no doubt in the heart of Joshua and Caleb was, but if we would have trusted God, we would have been in the land that God promised us Already. My friends, you can't roll back the years, nor the poor decisions that are made, even the poor decisions in our own lives, right? We can't fix those things, but we can start now to trust the Lord. We can turn a new page. We can move forward. We can do those things, and we can trust God fully, (laughs) even in our old years. And that's what we see here. And it goes on to say, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. Now, Caleb was not boasting about that. He was just echoing the sentiment of what he was. He was a man committed to God. He wholly followed the Lord. I don't know if I could really echo that and say, have I followed you, Lord, wholly in my life? Is there areas in my life, and he's always putting his fingers on parts of my life, and I hope he's doing the same with you, where he says, you know, you're not fully committed to me in this area. And you know when he does that, we need to just stop right there and say, God, I'm going to deal with that and I, because it's going, to make, it's going to make me distant from you. And again in verse 9, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And then in verse 14 of the same section, he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And you see that that was his, really his commitment. The word for wholly followed, it's an interesting phrase in Hebrew. It means to close the gap, to close the gap. It really could be used in a term of uh, closing ranks in a military formation. Like think of the days of battle when people faced off on a battlefield or something. And um, they would fight as a unit. And they would do so sometimes, you know, with hand implements of war, like, you know, swords and spears and those kind of things. And it was dependent on, or victory was dependent upon people who were committed even when their part of the line was being attacked and if they fell it was important that these the comrades around them closed ranks they closed the distance they closed the gap why because otherwise the enemy could get through it also was a term used in when you followed somebody we've all played follow the leader right and uh, you know there's times you've you've followed somebody I I know that there's times I I remember uh, going out on a little hike when we were when I was younger and I was having a hard time keeping up with this older teen who was ahead of me and we were hiking I think it was Mount Katahdin on that time and there was a little stretch there as we were in in the park hiking and it's a good thing that the trail was marked pretty clearly but they got ahead of me so far that I felt like man I'm going to get lost here if I get off this trail I'm in trouble and, uh, you know, we've all done that. Sometimes gets good, by the way. Uh, one of the rules of leadership is stop every now and again. Look behind you. Make sure people are still following. Okay? If, you, if they're not following, there's something wrong. Okay? And, and here you have a man, Caleb, and throughout his life, he was closing the gap. And it was not just on a man he was following, but it was on the Lord God. And when Caleb saw in his life, there's a little gap opening up between me and God. I'm going to close that. I'm going to make sure that I stand in that gap and I take care, take care of business. My friends, there's times that we just got to stop and take care of business or else that that gap opens up. And when it opens up, you know what? All of a sudden, you'll find yourself wandering aimlessly like the children of Israel did. They wandered aimlessly for 38 years and then it was almost 40 years before they would actually enter into the land. And they did so... In that all those years were just nothing but, I wouldn't say entirely wasted years. God taught them things during that time. He did things with them. He kept them. He provided for them. He did a lot of different things, miracles among them and all of that. But how much more they could have had had they followed him wholly like Caleb, like Joshua. We're reminded that we're not our own. And that's part of the whole process. Sometimes we don't want to follow close to the Lord because we think, I have my own ways. remember years ago, a guy who was a professing believer, um, I, I do believe he was you know a, a Christian. He was following the Lord for many years, doing that. And then all of a sudden, um, he decided that um, he didn't want to do everybody else's bidding. That's the way he looked at it. And he walked off and... He ruined most of his life really quickly in doing those very poor decisions. Um, he never came, came back from that. He actually died as a younger man. And, and I look back at that and I think, Oh, had he followed the Lord closely and kept following closely? It's not that God moves. It's sometimes we move. We don't want to have him near us. And yet we're reminded, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he says or do you not know that your body is the temple of the holy spirit who is in you whom you have from god and you are not your own you know we're not our own you say what you mean I'm owned by someone else that's so anti-american isn't it you know but for the christian you are either a slave to this world or you're a, in sin or you're a slave to him by the way he's the only one who is a good master everything else isn't For you were bought at a price. You say, what price was that? It wasn't a price you and I could ever afford. It was the price of the sinless Son of God as He died on a cross. And that was His price. The death of God the Son. That ought to motivate us to close the gap. And He says, Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. You're not your own. You're God's. James chapter 1 verse 8 reminds us that he is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. If you have a mind for not closing the gap, but serving self or serving others that way in a sinful way, um, that gap opens up and you're going to be double-minded at best. And that's a problem. You see, we need more people who know where they're going. Why they're here, Christians, who know why they're here on this earth right now. Why you have been made for this time that we live in. And you are on mission. Moving forward with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news. And telling people about that. And living that out. And serving him with action, right? That's the gospel played out in the action form. And we benefit greatly in our own world here from Christians who have done that. Think of all the hospitals that were built and orphanages and all the the good movements that were out there that made society better. The abolitionist movement, those kind of things. All that stuff in our history was driven by people who took the gospel to liberate people from their sin and brought better times to society as people embrace that but if you're a double minded man don't know where you're going you're just going to bring a whole lot more double minded people out there Romans chapter 8 we were in this on Wednesday night and I was thinking about this passage because you know the great thing is this that it doesn't matter where you've been or how far you've been away you will never escape the love of God if you're one of his he helps to close the gap as well And we need only yield to him to keep that relationship with him. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8, 31, he says, What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Caleb had that motto. Caleb looked at those mountains and where the giants lived, the fortified cities that looked humanly impossible to overcome. And at age 85, he said, I can do it because God is for us. And who can be against us? Who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all? How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. You know what that verse says right there? He's the one that forgives you of your sin. Sometimes we don't. Right? Sometimes we like to dig up sin and say, Oh yeah, but I knew you before. Oh, I remember when you were back then. But you now you're his. And you know what? It's God who justifies. Not Jack Karen, Not anybody else. And it's a good thing it's not me. Because there's, sometimes I wouldn't justify somebody. I wouldn't declare him righteous. But Jesus would. The Lord would. Simply because he paid the price fully for sin. Oh, thank you God. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. And look at this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? Listen, you got some tribulation in your life? Close the gap. Distress? Close the gap. Persecution? Close the gap. How about famine? Close the gap. How about nakedness? Close the gap. Peril or sword, right? Close the gap. There isn't anything. He writes here, quoting from the Psalms, For your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Listen, you might even face death. Caleb didn't know exactly what would, uh, he would face when he went up that mountain. And it could mean that he would face death. Death at the hand of the enemy, and yet he believed God was in it, and it was his will to go up and take that mountain. Sometimes we face death in an uncertain world when Paul writes about the sword and peril and distress, all that stuff Paul himself would later he'd be martyred, he would be beheaded um, under Rome and under emperor nero nero's direction anyways, and he would be killed and yet. Look what the next verse says. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You know what that means? That means that we are super conquerors. I love it. Victory. The worst thing that can happen in all the things this world throws at me. And the worst thing that could have happened to Caleb on this earth. Was that someone took a sword and killed him. Or shot him or did whatever else. You know what? He still would have been more than a conqueror. And you are, if you're in Christ, you're more than a conqueror. Then he goes on, he couldn't, Paul couldn't help himself, he had to go further. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, or any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Listen, there's nothing that will separate you close the gap follow him wholly. we can do that the bible says if you draw near to him he will draw near to you i love that we see caleb's confidence that's verses 10 and 12 caleb's confidence and now behold the lord has kept me alive i like how he he gives that Gives glory to God about his long life. Everybody else in his generation was dead at this point and had been dead for about five years. Just he and Joshua. Those two were alive. And you think about that because um, he could have said, Well, I, you know, I ate my manna every day, right? And I made sure I didn't put too much butter on my manna or something. I don't know. Uh, He didn't attribute it to his diet, he didn't attribute it to you know any form of lifestyle, things like that, it, are nothing wrong with eating healthy and living a good life. I'm not saying that. He attributed it to the Lord. If God gives you length of days, give Him glory. If He if He gives you only a short life, give Him glory. By the way, He gives us eternal life. He said these 45 years ever since the Lord spoke this word to moses while israel wandered in the wilderness and now here i am this day 85 years old and again in verse 12 now therefore give me this mountain which the lord spoke in that day he's confident from a message that he received 45 years before that when moses told him wherever your feet shall trod it'll be yours and moses as god's spokesperson was speaking forth the word of god for you heard in that day how the Anakim were there those are giants and that the city were cities were great and fortified it may be that the lord will be with me and i shall be able to drive them out as the lord said that's what caleb's faith is based upon and i might say this that it's interesting when you come and caleb's not unique to this in scripture Over and over again, when you see great victories occur, it is because thus said the Lord. People trusted him at his word. Now, he leads us in doing things. He he leads us by the Holy Spirit to do things based upon his word that he has revealed to us. And I think that's important. That we can be confident in God, not based on the momentary way I feel, because there's days I don't feel very good and I feel very, you know, lacking and scared and other things. We're, we're people, we're filled with different emotions. But when you go back to the Bible and you get into the Word of God, it has this marvelous way of instilling confidence in us because what God has said is accomplished. And what God has said that will come, it will. You can, be, you can rest assured of that today. Deuteronomy chapter 1 this is what the Lord said to the people back then and the Lord heard the sound of your words and was angry and took an oath saying surely not one of these men of this evil generation shall see the good land of which I swore to give to your fathers except Caleb the son of Jephunneh he shall see it and to him and his children I am giving this land on which he walked because he wholly followed the Lord. Following the Lord, we need to follow the Lord, and by the way, in doing so, we need to make sure that we 're not going back in the past, and leaving no way to go back. I think it was the Spanish conqueror Cortez when he invaded the Yucatan Peninsula of what is today modern day mexico and i 'm not his motives was for gold I mean it was kind of a very carnal way of invading and stuff, but nevertheless. the story goes that when he landed there he ordered the ships that brought them to the shores of the Yucatan to be burned and the Romans did that before that in the conquest of Britain and other times but he had them burned because it sent a clear message to his men there's no way back except through victory and that's why they speak Spanish in Mexico today And not Quechua or some other language. And I'm not saying, I'm not weighing in on what that was right or this or what. I'm just saying that victory is secured by people who are committed to the cause for which they're on mission. We have a far greater and better and higher moral mission into to bring the gospel to people. And to live this life for the glory of God. And we ought to be so committed. That we burn the ships. And burn the bridges. That so easily are there for us to return. Sometimes it's in a relationship. That needs to be just cut off. Like I'm no more. Not That's it. You know. Uh, it's sometimes the actions that draw us into sin. And sometimes we just have to cut those things off. The means by where we find ourselves there. And I we'll leave that to the Lord to probe your heart and to say, are there areas I need to burn the ships to be committed more? Very simple, practical things. He was a man who wholly followed the Lord and his confidence was what we would call faith. See, faith is not this wishy-washy, weak thing that people cling to when the times get tough. That's how a lot of the world looks at people of faith and in particular Christians faith is this as Paul as the writer of Hebrews we don't know if Paul wrote it but in Hebrews chapter 11 it says now faith is the substance of things hoped for substance has something that's tangible And by the way faith can be grasped it can be tested it says substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen evidence as I said when we opened up this message I'm talking about faith faith is not a blind faith it's not something we just kind of wish for and have no, you know, no tangible way of of looking at it and seeing. There's evidence, lots of evidence. You trust God and you wait. You see it. I'll tell you something. God is so amazing. He really. I. I'll tell you. When you wake up in the morning and you say, "Lord, um, use me today as a vessel for you," I, I think Caleb was a man like that. He just said. Lord, I don't know what's going to happen today. You do. So I want to be there for it when you're there and and you show up. And I tell you, God's like that. I've been doing that more in my life. I've been just saying, Lord, I'm going to wake up and, and put my head on the right way in the morning and just say, Lord, I want to be yours today wherever I'm found and make me a blessing to somebody. And he does that every time I pray that. And I try to do it every day. Sometimes it's very little. Sometimes it's some big thing. The other day, I prayed and I said, "Lord, I got a busy day ahead. I was I was going downstate. This would have been Thursday night, and uh, very busy. And it was just the way things unfolded. I got started later than I wanted to, and I started heading down Route 11. Um, and I had prayed that in that morning, Lord, make me a blessing to somebody. And I'm going along, and I come around a curve." And I see this great big semi-truck that is off the road, on its side. The wheels are still spinning, and the dust is in the air. So it had just happened. I mean, literally just happened. And I see glass everywhere and broken parts, and they were carrying potatoes. The potatoes were okay. But uh, if you want some free potatoes, you probably can find some down there in Route 11. (laughs) And I pulled up, and I got out, and I said... I wonder if the guy's okay and i'm an emt i ran right to him and i he's he's getting out of the cab had no shoes on his shoes had come off he had been buckled up guy from florida named dave was his name and uh he's looking around and he's got his bible his bible is out of the cab in the ditch like this you know actually it was closed but it was there and i see it's a spanish bible and and all that and he's looking through the cab for his stuff and all that. another guy pulls up. I grab my cell phone, and I, I try to get a signal. I didn't get a signal. I thought, uh-oh. You know, I was able to eventually get in by radio there to uh, Rooster County um, and, and get some help started because uh, I didn't know what he had on board, you know, the cu- truck and all that stuff. And I look, and I said, uh, are you a Christian? He goes, yeah, you know. And he was scratched up and shooken up, but he was, he was fine. I said, let's pray. All right. And so we just prayed and thanked the Lord he was okay. And that everybody else was okay, you know. That could have been a disaster. Um, and uh, I guess he, you know, he wasn't used to hauling potatoes or something. I don't know what happened. But it, it's a bad time of year. Route eleven's awful and the shoulders are soft and everything else. And it doesn't take much to do that. And that could have been a whole different story. And I said right in that very moment as I'm praying with him, Lord, this is, your, this is why I was here today. Why I got delayed to the very second isn't God like that? And He does that all the time. I, I I'm gonna I don't write it down enough, and I just say, Lord, I want to live like that, because I realize I'm not my own. He's given me certain little skills and interests and things like that, and He uses that. He's given you interests and skills and personalities that are different than mine, and He uses that. And if you will give it to Him, I'll tell you, He'll use it. He'll take it up on. He'll take you up on it, and all you can do at the end of the day is go, Wow wow, God's good. And I, I see that all the time. I, I mean that. The Bible says in the same chapter of Hebrews, but without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Keep in mind Caleb. Caleb by faith looked ahead decades ahead to a land that he would someday get based upon the word of god and the promise god gave him and god lived up to his name he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him my friends that reward may not come in this lifetime for the christian i just want you to know that you may your life might indeed get worse i didn't come here to tell you that this morning but that's the reality Things could get very worse, much worse. You might find yourselves in peril and distress and famine and being stripped of clothing or stripped of housing or whatever, nakedness. You, you, you may find all that. because Why? Because Christians throughout the centuries have been in the worst situations. But we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. More than conquerors. And someday he will give to those that inheritance it's incorruptible in heaven reserved for you in heaven caleb the conqueror we see caleb's courage courage in numbers chapter 13 verse 33 it says there we saw the giants the descendants of anak came from the giants and we were like grasshoppers in their own sight and so we were in their sight the testimony of the people there was very simple that we went into that land and we saw giants and and these were most likely very tall large people and if you know of one of them in particular who's mentioned later on in the descendants of Anak which was Goliath and according to the 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 height dimensions that the Bible gives for Goliath, he was a monster of a man. He would have almost hit his head at the top of a basketball rim. Just under, yeah, 10 feet. And there he is standing there, full armor that most people couldn't even put on and lift, and a sword heavier than any of us would want to wield. And David, a young man, goes down, committed to the Lord, and he says, is there not a cause? Cause was the name of God. And he goes down and he slays a giant. Caleb was such a man also. Where others saw just weakness and thought they couldn't do it, God saw a man. If the Lord delights in us, Numbers 14.8 says, then he will bring us into this land and give it to us, a land which flows with milk and honey. Only do not rebel against the Lord, nor fear the people of the land, for they are our bread. (laughs) Listen, he he says, we're going in there, we're going to eat them up. I love it. That's really how we look at it. Like conquer, not defeat. Their protection has departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Do not fear them. Our fears will drive us sometimes to do the wrong things. Haven't we seen that? We do the wrong things sometimes. And you know, you can't change that, but you can correct it today. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of of power and of love and of a sound mind. In a world that's coming apart, in a world that seems to be spinning out of control, he's got some of his own people, God's people, that have their mind straight. And they see things the way he looks at it. That's what the Bible is for in looking in it. Paul writes in Philippians 4:13, "I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things. Can you face peril? Those are words what Paul would write. and by the way, his time in Philippi was a, when he first arrived in Philippi, where this church eventually would be planted, it was planted in adversity. Paul and Silas were in a prison. They had been beaten. And there they were in the middle of the night and God shows up in a great miracle. Read of it in the book of Acts in chapter 16. The miracle at Philippi. And out of that, a church would start. Think about that. Wow. And he could write, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And he, he backed it up with his life. And there's lots of verses like that, right? That yield, or help us yield ourselves to him. Caleb the con The conqueror, and Caleb we have here his courage that shows <clears throat> and let's go on here. we'll move ahead. the last point, Caleb's conquest. you see, we wouldn't really have much of a story today if Caleb had gone out and just fallen flat on his face, and that was it, but Caleb pictures for one uh, pictures one of us someone who finished strong in their life. Someone who would go forth and would stand up for what he believed, and that belief was not just a vain belief, but the one who had been tested and tried throughout the millennia, which was the Lord himself. And his courage and his conquest, eventually, was because of that. And I pick it up here because this is what This is the historical record. It says, And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, as an inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, to this day, because he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron formerly was Kirjath Arba. Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. Then it says, Then the land had rest from war. There's a lot that could be said here. But I want to just point out a few things here. First was this that Caleb went into a place that had a name change. It was a name Hebron means fellowship in and that was the name that was given to that region before it had been called Kirjarth Arba and Arba was this great great man, a warrior and he was part of those giants and his name was attached to that you you know if you walk around this earth or visit places that we like to set up memorials to things and we change names and all that stuff based upon uh, history where we have our heroes or or whatever Hebron results really not in the name of like a, a name of a person it means fellowship and I often think of that like why wasn't it called Caleb right? Calebville that's what we would do but not God it was called Hebron because it was a place where people had fellowship where God prior to that it was a place where Abraham had fellowship with God go back there to the book of Genesis sometime but you find here it was the place in which the fellowship of a man with his God and closing the gap wholly following the Lord brought the result of a change of a name to a city that had been a city that was founded in war. And now it was a city that had rest. It was a place of rest. A place of fellowship. I love it. And you know, you go through the book of Joshua and you say, man, there's a lot of battles and violence and Man, I don't like reading that section because I'm not a violent person. And You know, you hear people say that, like, there's too many whatever's in the world, you know, guns or swords or whatever, and there's violence, and there's violence, and there's violence, and this, yes, the world is a violent place, and the reason there's violence and war is because there's sin. Amen. Never forget that. The reason there's violence and war and battles in the book of Joshua is because there was sin there in that enemy camp. Sin that had been condemned hundreds of years before that. And they, God gave them space to repent of their sin. And they chose not to. And therefore he used good people to go in. Who were following the Lord holy like Caleb. And he brought victory and peace. The answer to evil is very fa- the very fact that good has to overcome it. The cross is a perfect example of that. When Jesus hung on the cross and you read of the, the account of the crucifixion and we've just come out of the Easter season and before that, you know, looking at the suffering of Christ and the resurrection of Christ. Uh, listen, you see the worst that man could ever throw at anybody in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. The absolute worst violence that could be perpetrated on anyone happened to Jesus. And yet we see victory on this side because he's good. Caleb was a good man. My friends, we need more good men that are willing to go out and face evil face on and take care of it. And as a Christian, our first and foremost, we don't have the, we aren't out there in the weapons of warfare in that aspect of our Christian walk. It may indeed be part of that if you find yourself serving in that capacity as someone who's like in law enforcement or someone who is running towards danger, you know, someone who's in the military that's a Christian and you are called to do a mission that involves physical security of something and confronting evil, you have to do that. And you imagine if nobody ever ran towards danger or looked ahead and saw mountains filled with giants and said, I, I, I'm just not going to do it. If no, or I should say, if no one went there, <laughs> if everybody just said, we'll leave that alone, what would win? Evil would always win. Always, always, always. The Bible says the land had rest from war. It had rest from war because someone was willing to take the battle to the enemy and be victorious. Don't ever forget that. Jesus took the battle to the enemy. His weapon was the weapon of submission to death. And through the death, even the death of the cross, he secured the victory for us in salvation. So that no matter what we face, listen, he's the victor. And I tell you this day, we need more peace in our world. I think all of us agree with that. And the way you have peace is when you embrace the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. And our mission as Christians is to first and foremost to go forth with that on our lips, the mission of Christ The gospel that Jesus died for our sins. That he was buried and on the third day he rose again victorious over sin and death. And if you'll believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ you will be saved. That simple message of the gospel. If people would embrace that. Turn from their ways, their sin and embrace that. They will find rest in the midst of a world that is undoing itself. That invitation stands today. Let's pray. God, we are grateful for your word. We understand that, Lord, there will be no rest for our soul unless we turn from evil and sin and embrace Christ, who is everything good, holy, following you, O Lord, that we might find rest for our bodies and our souls and our spirit, Lord. And I pray again today, if there's anybody that has listened to this message today that needs to do business with you, I pray they would. And Lord, oh God, that you would just work in our world, continue to raise up good men and women who will stand in the fight and close the gap and take the spiritual battle to the enemy, the enemy of our souls, which is Satan. And yet, Lord, we know that you are the one who has secured the victory. Whatever we face today, tomorrow, this week, the days ahead, however many days you give us. Whether it be like Caleb, old years of 85 having been still strong in his his older years. Oh God, that you would use those years for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.